Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. So, for the first time in over a month, it's just Matt and I getting to do the show again, which is awesome. So, we've definitely missed each other. We missed talking about Penn State football, and thank you all for joining us. We are in the midst of Penn State football's winter workouts. So, this episode is going to focus predominantly on the latest news and Matt McGloin's insight, especially on what's happening with the offense. We're going to get started with the quarterbacks, then we're going to dive into wide receivers and tight ends and we're going to hit running backs and we'll end on the offensive line we're hitting offense this week next week on pater we're going to talk about what's going on in the winter workouts for the defense but we figured we'd split it up a little bit so without going any further thank you for liking commenting subscribing and turning on notifications i want to take this opportunity to say thank you because you know football season is over but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. So thanks for checking out Bet Online. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. Of course, I encourage you to check out the Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA, but have you checked out the double citrus IPA? It's a big mm-hmm. fan favorite. Beer Advocate has given it a score of 93 out of 100. It only arrives once a year just in time for this month of March and all the good things that happen in March, like St. Patrick's Day, State Patty's Day if you're in State College, and of course, March Madness. The double citrus IPA is available now in Funk's tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. Of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Speaking of Funk's tap rooms, we want to let you know that the tap room in Emmaus has moved locations. Now, there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs just in time for March Madness and a permanent Flavor Nation food truck on site. So for more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. You must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. All right, Matt, I'm glad we can get to do this again. We've both been a little bit occupied. Uh, I've had some work stuff come up, and then uh, you've been busy being a dad uh, times two. (laughs) So uh, how's things been for you for the last, I don't know, month plus? Oh, it's been fantastic, man. You're right. Yeah. You know, uh, my wife and I, we welcomed uh, another baby boy, you know, so we have two boys in the house now. Uh, Our oldest is three and, uh, you know, our new babies, gosh, seven weeks, you know, uh, (laughs) already, which is crazy. It's crazy how fast it goes, but uh, it's been, you know, such a blessing. Uh, It's been great to be home. Um, I'm doing my best to stay in shape, man, because, you know, (laughs) Uh, our three-year-old keeps me going and now with the new baby in the house man i you know gotta have a lot of energy you know um but it's fun man it's a blast we're enjoying every minute of it that's great that's great uh do you have a gym in your house 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, good, the, good. The, the garage gym. I go to the garage gym route, man. And like it's I started it a few years back, but like it, it's never ending, Tom. Like you you slowly just continue to add random things for it that you think you need, but you may use once a month or something like that. But it's it's fun, you know, but uh, and it makes it easy dude, because, you know, wake up in the morning, walk right out into the garage. Now, cold mornings are not very fun. You got to put the gloves on the sweatshirt, the hat. Um, but uh, but it, it's convenient, man. And, you know, I enjoy it. It's it's you know, working out. It's part of my day. It's it's a way to compete with yourself, um, you know, and, and I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's a good investment. It's better than driving 20 minutes to the gym like this normal person does. <laughs> so I, I like your plan better. Um, speaking of uh, never ending, that's kind of what the football grind is really like, especially if you're playing at the college football level. So obviously the season is over, but the preparation for 2022 is well underway for Penn State football. We're in the midst right now of what is dubbed winter workouts, and we'll get to spring ball. And of course, the blue-white game is on April 23rd. So uh, that is a huge thing to look forward to. But for those who don't understand what is going on during winter workouts, you've experienced it multiple times at Penn State. Walk us through in a nutshell what winter workouts are all about. Yeah, winter workouts are brutal. <laughs> you know, and I've, we talked about it before on the show. I talked about it when we had fits on this show, working out outside early in the mornings, working conditioning, lifting, things like that. But and obviously that time is really the, the main focal point in the, in the January and the February months. And then you slowly start to transition into more football related activities and things like that. You're trying to build muscle. Um, you know, stability, right? Doing everything you can to prevent, you know, injuries when you actually start playing the game. But, you know, in terms of looking at the playbook, watching film, right, that never ends. Um, you know, see, I, I remember the first time O'Brien ever handed me the playbook and he's like, all right, here's the playbook, you know, go sit, you know, in the quarterback room and let you know what you think. I mean, I spent like over an hour in there just reading it and like my head was spinning, like my head hurt. After, you know, the hour or so that I was in there trying to understand this offense, trying to understand this language. And obviously for a guy like Sean Clifford, this will be a second year for him in the Mike Yurcich system. He can go back and watch tape and watch film and say, I should have done this uh, versus this play. Here's a play that I like, Tom. Um, I, I think we can run this more throughout the spring. Here's a play that I don't like. Maybe we put this on the back burner for now until we get better at it um, and go from there. But guys like Drew Alar, Bo Perbula, um, even Veyu, you know, I guess these guys are still learning and understanding the offense. Um, and I think what's going to be big for these guys, Tom, is how much they've prepared themselves for that practice one, that day one moment where there is no more looking at a playbook, right? It's go out there, step in the huddle. Ten guys are looking at you. Can you do it or not? Because it's completely different. It's a completely different atmosphere. It's a completely different world. I, I remember how important that was getting in the huddle, spitting the play out, walking to the line of scrimmage, understand what I was doing, understanding what everyone was doing. You have to come up with a routine. You have to come up with a process that works for you. And this is the time of year, especially when Huluba Hall and Lash Building are getting uh, a significant workout, no pun intended, but obviously one of the reasons why uh, Jim and James Franklin's contract extension, that part of that included more funding to make improvements and renovations on both those facilities, which are ongoing right now. And you talked about uh, working out. There was the noted change in the coaching staff going from Dwight Galt, the longtime strength and conditioning coach, to now it's Chuck Losey. So there's a lot of things that he is diving literally right in. And this is the beginning of 
for James Franklin and company evaluating the job that he could potentially do into 2022 and beyond. So there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of pressure, even though there's no games being played, there's plenty of pressure happening right now. Um, speaking about quarterbacks, as you just did, I love to start with the quarterbacks because you experience it. Obviously every off season is different. If you're fortunate, your offensive coordinator is the same. If you're fortunate, your head coach is the same. Um, you obviously experience a, a myriad of different circumstances, but Walk me through basically what those four quarterbacks you just mentioned are experiencing right now, because they're all at very different levels of learning mm -hmm. right now as they've arrived on campus. So you go through an installation process, right? Meeting star day one, install one. Here we go. Here's the plays that we're learning. And I, I think in a way that's a lot has been talked about about competition right this year. And whether you're a two, three-year starter, you're always competing for your job, right? You understand that. Everybody understands that. Do you have do you have an edge on some guys if you played a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Be stuff to go out there and do it every single day. But the way they do it, Tom, again, it's, it's simple stuff early on, a lot of installation where here's what we're reviewing in the morning. Here's what we're going to go out and do on the practice field today. So you may see a massive playbook. But in reality, you're learning one day at a time, one practice at a time. That's the way you have to break it down. Again, if you're Drew Alar, Bo Pribula, that's how you have to break it down. Right? He, he, this offense is going to take me the entire spring to understand, but I don't need to understand the whole thing right now, right away. I need to understand what's being thrown at me day in and day out, and then I need to go out on the field and execute it so that after 10 12 practices, Tom, those last three practices or so, the spring game, when installations are over and Mike Yersich can call whatever the heck that he wants, I'm ready for anything and then I can do everything. Now, obviously, again, you mentioned, you know, some guys are at different levels than others, right? Sean Clifford's a, ahead of everybody when it comes to experience, when it comes to playing, when it comes to the playbook. Um, but even for him, he has to continue to make strides as a leader, strides as a quarterback. He can't continue to make mistakes that we've made him seen for two or three years now. So, I mean, it's almost more difficult on him than it is for these other guys because you you got to understand, Drew Allard is going to make mistakes. Bo Perbule is going to make mistakes. Christian Veyu is going to make mistakes. But it's going to be okay as long as they're trending upwards, trending in the right direction, and not making those mistakes in back-to-back -back practices. You can forgive a you know a first year player, second year player, yeah. but it's the guy who's now entering his sixth, where there's more pressure. Uh, and there's an interesting quote uh, recently from James Franklin coming out of winter workouts. Uh, Franklin said, "Quote: Sean's our returning starter. There's no doubt about that. But there's competition at every position. Obviously, it's more challenging at any position to unseat a returning starter who's been doing it for a couple of years. But there's competition across the board at every single position. You rebuild your team every year, and there will be competition at every single position." including the quarterback position. That's a lot of coach speak. However, that's not exactly the ringing endorsement I'm sure that Sean Clifford was hoping to hear from his head coach. Uh, maybe it was the type of competition that he was expecting James Franklin to put out there, and we will probably never know the true answer to that question. Um, what do you hear when you hear that from Franklin? I heard the word competition a lot, which... Yep. He loves if that. I, which, which, if I'm Sean Clifford, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what the heck, man? You know, I feel like I've done enough to kind of be the guy moving forward, to have you support me, to have you back me. Um, or it I'm could be like, hey, he's heard this before, and it's just like, yep, this is on message, okay. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're again, you're a younger guy, you're like, all right, I got a chance. I'm motivated. Now, this is an open competition for me. I can go in there and win this job right throughout the spring um, and, and really get a look heading into the summer and heading in to training camp. You know, Sean Clifford, Tom, might be on the shortest leash out of any quarterback in the Big Ten. And you mentioned James Franklin's new contract. He's bought years now at Penn State, right? If things don't go well, he can afford to play a younger quarterback and maybe watch him struggle a little bit. Um, similar to the running back spot with, with Keevon Lee getting the number one reps. I know there's a guy, like, and we'll talk about running backs in a second, with Singleton and some other guys maybe pushing for that spot. Clifford's going to get first-team reps. But obviously, they're going to explore other options. Um, you know, I, I think in a way, it, it'll be in a way where it's not like they're trying to bump Sean out of that position or anything like that. You know, they'll, they'll give more guys certain reps here or there. Um, I, I will say this, though, Tom, because I think this will be interesting because there are four talented quarterbacks on that roster. One of the four I don't think will be on the Penn State roster. I don't think they'll be in that quarterback room when Penn State kicks off, you know, in, in September. Um, it's just, there, there's too much talent for all those guys to continue to stay there. I mean, my guess, I think a guy like Veyu would probably end up entering the transfer portal, looking to play somewhere else there. You know, the game he had last year and, and, and bits, you know, when we saw him play, he didn't, he's done some nice things. Um, somebody's not going to be happy with their reps this spring and they'll bounce. That's just the way it is. That's just the nature of the business. That's just how quarterback competitions work. And especially because you can presume that, you know, it's your incumbent starter, as James Franklin said, is Sean Clifford. And then 2A, 2B, in terms of the backup, it's got to be Christian Veyu and Drew Alar. And then I don't know if anybody internally is expecting Drew, uh, Bo Perbule, excuse me, to really jump anybody, but there is that X factor. So I'm not mm -hmm. excluding Perbule, but it does seem like Alar versus Veyu for the number two spot. And that's why the blue-white game is going to be really telling mm -hmm. in terms of reps and then obviously and you know this very well what they actually do in the game yeah well you don't really do anything in the game in terms of an offensive playbook or anything like that they're calling the same eight plays the whole entire game time but what i talked about earlier was your process can you handle the moment can you handle the situation um can you execute the play can you get in and out of the huddle do you understand you know this guy needs to be on the ball this guy needs to be off the ball right what's the cadence shift motions Everything like that, it's about the process and can you do it? That's what the spring game, that dress rehearsal is fun. Um, you know, that's what that's all about is can this guy do it in a game-like atmosphere? And for and again, you're right. Don't forget about Bo Perbula because who knows? He can he can step right in practice one, day one, and set the world on fire at Penn State. Um, but, you know, for a guy like him and especially for a guy like Drew Alar who, you know, expectations are extremely high, how fast can you bring him along this spring? Because physically for him, Tom, he's probably ready to play, right? All the tools are obviously there, and there's things that he needs to get used to, throwing on time, being able to anticipate, um, throwing new routes. You know, But how fast can you bring him along, and how fast can you bring him along mentally is the so, biggest question. And if he showed... Question. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Here, here's my question to you, and you and I talked about this uh, before we, we did this show, is that uh, when I think about the hype around Drew Alar, I compare it to the hype that was there for Trevor Lawrence when he arrived mm, at Clemson. Good, I, I'm yeah. not comparing the two as quarterbacks. I want to say that right now. But the hype in terms of what they can be is there. 
Is this a similar situation for what was for the Clemson coaching staff at the time where Kelly Bryant was the starter? And I'm not saying Kelly Bryant and Sean Clifford are the same athlete. I'm just saying starter and backup kind of scenario. But that Clemson coaching staff wanted to pull the trigger on Lawrence. Kelly Bryant got injured, and the second they could get Lawrence in there, they did, and they never looked back. Do you think that might be the mentality for Penn State going into the season? I think it's in the back of their minds right now. But again, again this, guy, this kid hasn't even thrown a football in practice yet. You know, um, but I think if he and that's what I talked about, how fast can you bring him along? If he shows he has the capability to play at a high level and he's adjusting to the game very quickly throughout this spring, summer, the trend training camp, Tom gets very interesting, you know, and I think, you know, James Frankel, uh, once you get in the season, if there's any signs of struggle or anything like that from Sean Clifford, I don't think James Frankel would be be afraid to pull him out of the game and put put a guy like Drew Alar in there. Now, with that being said, what around him is going to matter with how fast you can make that decision, right? Because if you're still struggling at the offensive line position, you can't do it. If you can't run the football, you can't do it because you can't put everything on this freshman's back immediately. That destroys guys mentally. We've talked about that before on the show. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of throwing guys into the fire when they aren't ready to handle it mentally. We're going to touch on uh, running backs, and we're going to end on offensive linemen. Um, I do want to transition to wide receivers. Obviously, the guys are going to be catching the passes uh, from these quarterbacks, wide receivers and tight ends uh, more specifically. Um, Not a lot of surprises in terms of the guys uh, at tight end. We've spoken at length about Strange, Johnson, and Warren, so there really aren't any surprises. and uh, Nobody necessarily that has walked in the door as part of this new class that you're expecting to touch the field immediately, but just some long-term prospects, and it's like, hey, we'll see how they do. Um, the, the curious thing is at wide receiver, and it's more about uh, Mitchell Tinsley, in my mm-hmm. opinion, not necessarily that I expect him to break out and become a one all of a sudden. And hey, that'd be wouldn't that be a happy result <laughs> if you had yeah. Parker Washington as a one yet another one? I'm really just curious to see what the order is between Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith, Tinsley and then Malik Mega and Malik Mega had a very interesting quote. Uh, recently uh, from last month, as a matter of fact, uh, he said, quote, I just want to be a downfield threat for the team. Uh, he's had some injuries, so he's talking about injuries happen to everybody. I can't get down on myself. I trust in everybody, um, everybody on the team. They've got my back. I know they've got my back, so I'm just trusting them, putting the work in and getting results back. To me, that sounds like a guy who it's been like, we're going to give you one assignment and we want you to nail that. And he's had his injuries and he's been frustrated and the coaching staff is just saying, we got you. You're, you're not going to lose your spot in the pecking order or something like that. So based on that quote, it sounds like he's got support, but he's got one assignment. What do you think of that one assignment? And maybe that's just looking too intensively. What do you think? Right. Well, I think you're looking for somebody to step up and it seems like he wants to be that guy, right? I think Franklin talked a lot about like uh, you mentioned Mitchell Tinsley. Franklin talked a lot about a Mitchell Tinsley being that veteran presence they have. Yeah, maybe on the field, right? Because he knows how to work time and he knows how to prepare. Um, he knows how to train the right way. But in terms of a leader or someone to fill that leadership role that Dotson has left, I don't know if that's going to happen. Remember, this guy's a transfer. Everything is new to him, too. He's still learning. It better be Parker Washington. I'll say exactly. that. Exactly. With him, yeah, absolutely. But a guy like Malik um, could be somebody that has been there now Right, has played a little bit, battled injuries, but 
The guys in the locker room like him. The coaches, the players, they want him to succeed. They want him to be successful. Dude. So like, there's so many different ways that you can be a leader on a football team. And he seems like he really wants to become that guy. And he wants to be that guy. And even keep in mind as well, Cam Sullivan Brown's not there anymore. Daniel George isn't there as well. So they need somebody like him. They need some of these younger guys to step up and be that that you know, veteran presence, I guess, I guess you can say, but somebody that's been there and that's done it and that understands what's expected out of that wide receiver room daily. So you would know better than I, obviously, um, when you hear that a wide receiver is, you know, from his own words, I just want to be a downfield threat. Yeah. So that sounds like obviously some marching orders he's getting from the, the coaching staff. I remember, and again, this is apples to oranges, uh, at Ole Miss, DK Metcalf, the knock on him was that all he was was a downfield threat. All he could run was a nine and a go route or a post route, and he didn't have a complete uh, quote-unquote uh, route tree, uh, which has been proven inaccurate, which I'm thrilled about. But uh, I digress. Malik Mega being strictly that downfield yeah. threat, do you think that's the coaching staff seeing – some obvious gaps in his game that he's got to add and they're challenging him in a way, or they're just like, Hey, we've got three really talented guys to hold down the fort. We just need you to come in and be there to spice it up. Well, right now. Yeah. He might not be comfortable understanding the entire offense. He might not be comfortable knowing what to do versus certain coverages, Tom. So, and, and this happens with wide receivers. Hey man, here's the route. Go run it. If it's this, if it's versus Cover four versus cover two, you may get it. But if it versus cover three and you're still running this route, chances are you aren't getting it, right? Take the gray out for certain players that are having trouble right now with where they're at in their career with understanding what to do in certain moments and certain situations. Let them go out and just let them play fast because that's when they're at their best, right? There's not saying in a year, two years from now, or even maybe after the spring, Tom, who knows that you know Malik will be able to you know, be a complete wide receiver. We don't know when that time will be, but from what it sounds like is that they're telling him to do one thing, you know, do it fast and just go, which is okay yeah. because you have Parker Washington, you have Lambert Smith, you have a guy like Mitchell Tinsley who, who uh, you know, I had the chance to watch his tape, Tom, and really good body control. He adjusts to the back shoulder throw really well, which is difficult to do. Right. And, and the catch radius is fantastic. I think the most impressive thing about him is the yards after catch, the ability to keep speed through the catch and to be able to break tackles. Um, and the difference between a guy, uh, difference between, you know, Malik and some of the other guys on Penn State's roster right now at the wide receiver spot is he's done it. He's done it at a high level. Um, but is he going to be the game changer that you're looking for? That's not, I'm not sure. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what the players say about him, what the coaches say about him um, throughout this spring. Also, don't forget about incoming freshman Caden Saunders. There's a lot mm -hmm. of hype around him. It sounds like he's done well getting in the door uh, with the program altogether. So it's just a matter of, hey, does he hit the field often in 2022? And maybe that's some of that competition uh, that Malik and company are feeling. Um, to Mitchell Tinsley, 87 catches, 1,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, average 16 yards per catch uh, with Western Kentucky last year. I get it. It's a different level of competition. And he benefited, as I mentioned, from Bailey Zapp, who set and broke just about every passing record in the history of college football. So Tinsley was the beneficiary. The season before, he had about 30-some-odd catches. So if you get Tinsley in the door and you get somewhere in the middle, you know, 40, yeah. 50, maybe even 60 catches or something like that, you're really content 
with that return because you know that you can count on Parker Washington to fill the void that uh, Jahan Dotson had. Jahan Dotson, I believe, only had about 60 catches last year, but had a phenomenal season by all uh, means. And now with Dotson leaving, that does leave some space on special teams. Who's going to maybe return kicks, punts? Is that going to be Parker Washington? Or do you throw Saunders back there? Omari Evans? You know, th- There's a lot of possibilities right now with special teams that I'm sure is being looked at right now. What do you think? Yeah, here, here here's what's important, too, when, when you look at that wide receiver spot and, and guys like Mitchell Tinsley or Malik or, or, or even Lambert Smith, right, to, to try to get him to take that next step you know, become that number two behind behind Parker Washington. It's w- what commitment are you willing to make to these wide receivers, right? A guy like Tinsley, are you going to force the issue and make sure he's a part of the offense? Because a guy like them that's played a lot of football, he's going to be expected to make an immediate impact. But I, I just hope they understand it's going to take some time for him to get used to it, for him to get used to wearing a new jersey, for him to get comfortable in that new helmet. Um we, we mentioned Malik, and it's like, he can do one thing, sure, but are you going to take the approach like, well, he can't do everything we're asking for, so he's not going to play. And I've always I've always felt that wasn't the right approach to take when it comes to certain players because if a guy does one thing extremely well, well, we need to get, we need to get him involved, right? We need, we need to get him out there running the handful of routes he does really well because he can make a big play for us at any moment of a game. So I just hope they find a way to get these guys involved, to get these guys involved throughout this spring to incorporate in them their offense so they can continue to develop and grow um, you know, this this Mike Yersich system, this Mike Yersich offense. So uh, that's what's going on with the wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks. We're going to touch base on what's going on at the running back position and the offensive line here in a moment. But before we get to that, I want to take an opportunity to let you know that all of us involved here in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer. And again, we want to congratulate everyone who helped make Thon Weekend 2022 possible, raising a record $13,756,347.50 for the kids. To learn more about Thon Weekend 2022 or to donate, visit thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Uh, and in regards to Caden uh, Saunders, I, I'm, I'm talking about him just kind of getting started with the program. Obviously, he's a part of this freshman class. So the learning curve for these guys is very steep. And it's just kind of like you're getting to know everybody at this point, And you're going to learn a lot more about Saunders, I believe, once uh, spring, summer, 
you know, the August ball run, yeah. rolls around, you know, that that's going to be interesting. So let's talk running backs. Um, this is, this is where there's going to be a lot of questions. We're going to get to the offensive line, but obviously the guys carrying the ball, it's been a talented group, but at the same time, the uh, arrival of Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, it's perking up a lot of eyes. So it's you, you're looking at Kevon Lee as the incumbent starter. Uh, similar situation to Sean Clifford. Uh, if anything, Kevon Lee seems to be sitting on a, a rockier type of situation because Kevon did not necessarily do anything last year that was like, oh my gosh, this guy's the guy. And there's a lot of hype, as we talked about, in regards to Singleton. Uh, speaking of which, uh, his running back coach, uh, Juwan Sider, tweeted out recently, uh, winter workout number six, uh, Juwan Sider, saying that Singleton was the winner of the day. So uh, for those that don't know, the winner of the day, can you explain the significance <laughs> of that other than just, you know, like a gold star that you get <laughs> from the coaching staff that they tweet out? You know, I feel like those are those feel good awards and those shout outs. Uh, but look, <laughs> but they mean know, a little more than that, as you know. They absolutely do. You know, you, you want, you know, they're not just going to give that out either, right? They're, this guy's, you know, working his tail off every single day. He's consistent every single day, you know, and he's really showing us the type of player that he wants to become, um, you know, through his work ethic. You know, I saw an interview, um, you know, that uh, Chuck Losey did, and he talked about how much of an impact that these young early enrollees have already made, which I think is really, you know, should be really encouraging to the team, right? These guys... Um, you know, they want to step up, they want to play right away and they want to make an impact early. Um, you know, so it's saying something that, uh, you know, he's getting a shout out already. You know, he, he has to hit the ground running in practice one. Right. I think I think he is in a perfect situation, Tom, and he's, he plays the perfect position to where you can say, all right, buddy, we're throwing you to the wolves right now and we're going to see what you can do in this first practice. Get him in the huddle with the ones let them get you mentioned it right Kevon Lee who I fully expect to be the number one guy there right now right his job's up for grabs right more so than than a lot of other you know number ones out there um right now but you know throw him in there see what he can do um you know make sure he understands the protections make sure he understands what he's got to do in the past game run, run game will come easy to him but it's making him that complete back making him that three down back that i think we all expect him to be i mean look i loved watching his tape you know he, he doesn't dance at the line of scrimmage he's big he's strong uh, he gets downhill fast he right? cut he, down on the dancing i would say as the season went on like it, it it's been a problem for him but he's gotten better about it oh kevon you're talking kevon right kevon yes Kevon. Oh, i was oh, going sorry. i was yeah, i was nick singleton yeah. you're absolutely right i was gonna go Singleton. yeah singleton that's what i'm saying he's got the ability to get his uh to plant his foot and, and get downhill and go and i think the difference between him and kevon is that kevon doesn't have that breakaway speed that you're looking for and that goes back to the point you were just talking about right is that you know he just understood toward, as the season went on towards the end of the year i just have to get downhill i just have to go i can't keep dancing i just got to get yardage positive yardage stay ahead of the sticks um you know and, and get to second and third and manageable but with nick singleton i think he can complement lee really well because if singleton gets the edge man he's gone right that that breakaway speed that he has is incredible the lateral movement is incredible like this kid again he hasn't done anything yet but all signs point to, to to can't miss tom and for cider for franklin for yursich right it's it's what are you gonna do with him how are you going to handle this talent how are you going to be able to get him involved in this offense immediately 
so that he can make an immediate impact so that let we nobody's even talking about what the run game looked like last year. And you talked about potential transfers from the quarterback uh, position. There's a lot of competition in, in the running back room because let's not forget Kaziah Holmes and Devin Ford, still mm-hmm. part of the program. I know some Penn State fans might roll their eyes about Devin Ford, but he's contributed in the past, dinged up a lot of last year. So maybe see what he does in 2022. Uh, Katron Allen, don't forget, is listed 10 pounds heavier uh, than, than Nick Singleton. So there could be a thunder and lightning com- uh, combination there. Uh, Tank Smith also runs 225, the same as Katron Allen. So uh, there's going to be some there's going to be more competition here than I think people realize, but this time of year, you know, we talk about what cider was saying about Nick uh, Singleton. Like, is this the point where they can really be like, yeah, we're going to slot in this guy here at one and this guy here at two. And we'll see what they do maybe during the blue white game. Yeah. I mean, look, it's probably going to be like a one, a one B one C type thing where all guys are just rolling through uh, mm-hmm. at the running back spot. And you can do that again because of the position. Um, you know, so let me, it'll let me not to cut you off. Do you like running back by committee, or would you rather it just be I got one guy back there? Because that seems like what Penn State did last year, and they could potentially do that this year. You know, it, it for for me, it never really it never really mattered to be honest with you. It, it, as long as you understood what you had to do in terms of protections, had to do in the run game, as long as you understood the checks, the audibles, the alerts. Now, if it was a pass concept, you know. I, I absolutely needed to understand who was in there because everybody runs routes differently. Um, you know, some guys might run a diagonal route different than another guy. So I had to know that I got to put this ball right in this guy's chest. That's only where he's going to catch it. Where other guys, you know, I can afford to miss a little bit because this running back has better hands um, than the other one. Um, you know, but you know, for for a guy like you know Kevon Lee, um, you know he's got to make the most of the reps that he gets as well, right? He, he's he got to show this springtime that he deserves more, more than 10 carries a game, right? That he can be in that 12 to 15 range, that he deserves to get his carries week in and week out. Because as you just mentioned, there's a, there's a load of talent. There's a load of depth um, in that running back room right now. Um, and it's wide open. So that's the, I'm really looking forward to see how the spring plays out with these running backs and, and how they handle these reps, um, you know, throughout throughout the spring practices and especially during that blue white game. And we can say all these really nice things about the running backs, but the running game was terrible last season. Let's be very honest. And the focal point of the offense going into 2022. Uh, yes, I understand the pressure on quarterback, but in my opinion, it's the production of the Penn State offensive line. This offensive line is going to undergo some changes. Uh, We know about Walker, Miranda, and Wilson. They're gone. They're off to the National Football League. Hopefully, you're going to see how those guys do come draft day. So you're looking at, I'd say, six guys that are potentially going to be vying for those number five, those five spots. You've got Wallace, Scruggs. Let's not forget about Salim Wormley. He was a guy that was Mm -hmm. injured during during August, if I recall, uh, of last year, during the summer at least. And was somebody that, uh, you know, our friends at Blue White Illustrated, Thomas Frank Carr, was very high on, was talking about how this guy was penciled in to be a starter going into 2021 and then got then went down. Then you've got um, Hunter Norzad, who just transferred in from Cornell. Uh, and we had a great conversation with Eric Wilson, another Ivy League transfer in, uh, in his own right, who said that he believes Hunter Norzad can step right in and help out the same way that Wilson 
uh, contributed. So I'm very curious to see what Norzad's contributions are. And then uh, you and I have talked a lot about Landon Tangwall, how well he did as a true freshman coming mm -hmm. in towards the back end of 2021, getting some opportunities. And then Olu Fushanu. Uh, is a guy who really did come on as well the last part of the season. Uh, and Fashanu has been quoted as of late talking about winter workouts. Uh, he said, the quote, they're really good for the team. We're just building that, mentali that mentality that we want to take with us when we go play Purdue. Obviously, the workouts are tough, but we really need it. It's going to be great for our mental toughness this season. I personally love hearing that from a guy who's relatively new to the program, is just kind of getting started. Uh, at Penn State, and all things considered, and to already be thinking about Purdue in the winter, you like to hear that. Now it's just a question of what are they putting together at this time of the year that is going to translate come September? I, I love the mental approach that that he's taking, and it seems like the rest of the offensive line is taking because you're right. It starts there for this for this football team. I need to see stability in the spring from this spot. And what I mean by stability is personnel, right? You, you need to make a decision here about who your five guys are going to be right now, um, right? For the time being and go play. If adjustments need to be made, then make them, but give these guys the spring to play with one another, to get comfortable with one another, to understand how each one plays, right? I thought there was a lot of moving parts at times last year, Tom, and it certainly well, constantly, showed constantly a new starting lineup. Injuries were a part of it, but still it was just playing Tetris. Basically, God, what combination yes. is going to work? And you can't you can't function that way. It's it's all about the combination and how well these guys mesh together. Right. Wallace, Tangwell, Scruggs, Fashanu, Wormley, whoever it may be, um, th th there needs to be. Like there needs to be a base, right? Here's our guys. If corrections need to be made, we'll make corrections. But here's who we think our guys could be when we start this spring. Let's go play. Let's see if we're right. Again, it's important to get them playing together right now, understanding the calls, understanding how they operate. Um, and again, if you end up making a quarterback change, you know, and you, and you have to put one of the young bucks in there, the O-line needs to be solid, right? This is not the spring. It's not the training camp. It's not the year for offensive line struggles at Penn State. This is Troutwine's third year as, as, as an offensive line coach there. This is the year to put all this talent that they have mm -hmm. together, right? You know, so so we, we can see one of the better lines that has been there um, in, in the James Franklin era. And, and you talk about Troutwine. I will give him his flowers, the recruiting classes that, Again, looking ahead, 2023, 2024, uh, the offensive line has been a huge focus and the talent that at least is committing or looking like they're there in pencil, uh, it's fantastic. So you're just hoping to see those returns. And then uh, speaking of Troutwine, Olu Fashano actually uh, believes he's got a good relationship at this point with Phil Troutwine saying, quote, as time passes, our relationship does nothing but increase. Uh, it took some time for him to get uh, for us to get to know each other every one of us and how we respond to him. And I think we're at a level now where we're just hand in hand. I feel like we only go up from here. So that's great to hear that everybody's lockstep. Um, in my opinion, the best thing that this offensive line can benefit from one to your point, who's that five going to be? Let's, let's, let's get a good idea of who that is. If it's not in the, in the winter, but by the summer and then the competition, it's something that James Franklin, you and I talk about all the time. 
you've got some really talented guys that are just starting to get back from injury on the defensive line for Penn State that this offensive line is going to have to work up against until September, and we're going to get a preview of it in the blue-white game. Zane Durant apparently has been a monster ever since stepping on campus, and there's a lot of positivity about him as a defensive lineman. You're getting Adisa Isaac back from injury. He appears to be on schedule. P.J. Mustafer recently looking on schedule, according to all reports. So there's going to be a lot of guys that this offensive line is going to be tested against, and it's the old adage, iron sharpens iron. Um, in your opinion, how quickly does the coaching staff need to find those five starters on the offensive line? Is it something like, hey, you get to the blue-white game and kind of tinker a little bit, and maybe by August you know who that is, or you're hoping it's now? I'm hoping they have a pretty good idea of who it is right now right out of the gate there, practice one to kick off spring ball. And it, it, again, I'm not saying the, fir- the first five guys they're going to run out there and practice one are going to be the guys that run out there with the number ones uh, come time for the spring game, right? That's not that. But what I'm saying is you can't like, hey, we've got this combination in here for this period. The next period, we have another combination in there. We got another combination, right? But you can't continue to do that. Right, guys. Ha- guys get comfortable playing with one another. Right, they 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 understand each other. They know what calls they're, they're going to make. They're able to play fast together. They get confident playing together. So that that's what I want to see, Tom. I want to see. Here's our guys right now. We're going with this crew. If somebody is struggling, or if somebody from the twos is really starting to dominate, then yeah, we're going to bump him up to the ones, and we're going to start to give him one reps. But Right now, you have to make a decision and you have to move forward with it. Penn State's not had a 100-yard rusher in a game since the 2020 season. So hopefully that changes behind a solid offensive line performance. And I think you hit the nail on the head. With there being questions of whether or not it's going to be Clifford or somebody else, um, even if it's to start the season or during the season, if the offensive line is set, you're going to feel a lot better about that change as opposed to potentially a young quarterback running for his life uh, at yep. any given time. So uh, the winter workouts, you know what it's all about. It's a grind. Uh, so this has been our preview of or our preview, our insight and news and latest of what's going on with the offense. Next week, we are going to touch on what's happening with the defense. I already outlined some of the stuff happening with the defensive line. I'm very curious to see, especially there's some young linebackers that are starting to step up and then all all of us have really seen a lot of the news coming out of the NFL combine in terms of the Penn state players that have departed and are looking really good, uh, potentially heading towards the NFL mm-hmm. draft. I'm talking about uh, Jaquan Brisker and Tariq Castro fields, Arnold Epichetti as well. A lot of talent left. So who's stepping up at a variety of positions for the defense. So we're going to touch on that next week here on Pater. He's Matt McGloin. I'm Tom Hannafin, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.